He was born in Toronto to a Greek father and Canadian mom. Oh yeah, a star on stage and screen from 1950 till his death in 2000, oh yeah, and he played Court, the motherfucking Dahar master extraordinaire. Oh yeah, it's time for the John Colicoses in this fucking episode episode. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The greatest TV show to really explore that Klingon backstory, I guess. <laughs> um, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. And my name is Wade Bowen. And we're getting into some Klingon shit with this one. It's called uh, The Sword of Kalis. That's right. This is episode eight of season four. It originally aired November 20th, 1995, and the IMDb description is as follows. Worf, Dax, and the Klingon Dahar Master Corps set out to find an ancient lost relic, the Sword of Kalis. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all that happens. There's no B story or anything. We get a oh, little yeah, bit of there's the, not. the Deep Space oh, yeah. Nine crew up top, but the rest of it is basically that exactly what what this sounds like. Yeah. There's some familiar faces that show up. John Kalikos is Oh, it's core, the, yes. Is, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Um, Just the best. Yeah. Uh LeVar Burton directed this one. And Yes. Yes he did. And we have a Lethian again. This <laughs> but Oh, is he the brain reader or the yes. Yeah, it's this I don't know if it's the same Lethian that did the Bashir's brain episode or whatever. But oh yeah. It's uh, the same alien doing psychic stuff. At the end of the cold open, he gives puts the whammy on a drunken core. All right, yeah. We also get um, is, we get yeah. Toral Toral Doris back too, which oh, oh, oh I know right. we were all clamoring for more Toral Doris, but another yeah, Toral yeah, yeah. Doris uh, yeah yeah who, from from the next generation yes, and they mentioned they talk about the clone of Kalis. I forgot that that was a next generation. That's who they're arc. dealing with, with their with their uh, uh, Klingon politics right now. Yeah, that's what the climate's <laughs> right, like. Right. Like, didn't it seem like it seemed like they went? Uh, they wanted to explain that, like really, like they didn't want to go deep into like the Kalis clone <laughs> thing. No. They were we like, just right, want right. to give you a brief reminder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, that I, this is something know, that we, we know, have we to know. deal with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We would like this to be like about looking for an artifact of a long dead, like historical hero. But we have to, like, say a couple of bullshit lines. Core does not respect. The Kalis clone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I guess that Kalis clone sided with the Federation in the Klingon Troubles. Uh, but, oh, right, uh, right. They say something like that. Because he's supposed to be, like, the moral center. But, you know, they hand wave it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. It seems like, that it's for a Klingon story, this seems to have, the like, a surprisingly little amount of Robert, uh, uh, Ronald D. Moore on it oh yeah yeah like i think he probably did a once over on the script but he's not credited in the story or the teleplay and none of the comments that i read about the making of the uh episode really talk about him because this is a this is a big old wharf episode it is a bit yeah it's a and it's a klingon history episode yeah yeah there's all a- of those are sort of his wheelhouse so yeah well we're kind of dealing with Worf's issues right at the top of this episode he doesn't want to meet 
the Dahar Master core because he doesn't want to put him in an awkward social position, which is, which is awfully considerate of him. It's very Klingon. <laughs> right. It's very right? Klingon. It's yeah, very. Yeah. It's specifically very Worf. Where you know, right? Yeah, right. it opens up. He's telling this big old story at Quark's, and Quark is like, "What? What do I like about?" Klingon stories, nothing. Everybody dies and nobody makes any profit. Lots of people die. <laughs> but then, and then they go through all the aliens and Kira and Bashir are just like, he's making this shit up. <laughs> like, fuck mm. this. Let, this story ain't true. And O'Brien is like, who cares? He tells it well. But because he's telling this story about Kang and Koloth, who are dead, mm-hmm. who we last saw in Blood Oath, Jadzia Yes, yes. Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. And then we're going into a Jadzia Dak, Indiana Jones. Uh, Hard target white. Yes. <laughs> but let me get this right. Did both of them die in Blood Oath or just Kang? They both died, right? Koloff. Blood Oath? Koloff definitely died. I was, I was, yeah, they both died. Yeah. 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 Did they both die in that episode? Because I thought only Koloff died and then they like, oh, he, he, cause it was his, we had a whole argument about whose son it was that the oh, albino yeah, killed yeah, and all right. that. Um, but it was like, they, cause I felt like only one of them died, but somewhere in the interim, the other one did too. Cause yeah. I guess they just did not like the actor as much as they liked John Calico's. Well, I think they probably couldn't get him back. I think he seemed like he was a more mercurial man. He was married to Barbara well, Eden, yeah. right? The well, one that couldn't get back, Kang was married to Barbara Eden, right? Well, Kang died though. Who? Well, he was doing voice work for the animated series for like Batman and right, stuff right. too oh, okay. this time, right? No, but Kang dies. One that- Wait, hold on. Kang dies. I just looked it up. Both Koloff mm-hmm. and Kang die. Uh, In Blood Oath? Good- yes, yeah, says it's a good day to die before dying. And Dax murmurs sadly. That's right. It's never a good day to lose a friend. Right. But then Koloff did not die in that episode. I think Koloff died early, didn't he? He was like the least, he was like the least guy there. He like he died pretty no, but like there's the three great Dahar masters, and then and then there's the one they're all following Kang for his he's the head guy, and he die, he has the one that has the big great death at the end. Yeah, but and then Kor and Koloth survive. Koloth, I like how right? we say Dahar master like we know exactly what that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, no, I bet you none of uh, what is it, Wade? I don't remember a thing about Dahar. Oh, nobody knows what it is. They made it up for Blood Oath, but. <laughs> just because they could have those three Klingons from the original series it be sounds It sounds really impressive, but what it basically means is that they've sunk a lot of money into their local martial arts uh, dojo that's really just run <laughs> right. by a flat of the guy, like ex-military guy. No. Um, Koloff's mortally wounded when he, then he stabs the guard in the back with his last... We, we, yeah, they both die. Okay. All right. Well, that was a lot of... <laughs> jabber jabber between us arguing and yeah okay they're both dead it's all, it's never fun when you're arguing over a definitive something with a definitive answer <laughs> yeah that that we've already talked about in a previous episode that, yeah yeah that i should just know i'm supposed to be the expert with a podcast we, what the fuck yeah we can edit we can edit we can make ourselves look better here um <laughs> yeah let's do that <laughs> so yeah so you have core alone and isolated and and also i mean i think I mean, he's the most fun to have back. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so he is definitely the most fun. Mm. He's gregarious. Yeah. He's got a lot of charisma. You know, it, he works really well underneath the makeup, which I think is like a prerequisite for for being a great Star Trek alien actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Worf is drinking his prune juice at the bar, and Jadzia is like, He's a Klingon. He's a Dahar master. Don't you want to meet him? Also, he's my friend. I'll 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 introduce to you. And he's like, well, I I don't know. And Core warms up to him real fast because he hates Gowron. Apparently, it's like, oh, it's it's Worf, the 
the outcast. Oh, the lowest of the low. Pleasure to meet you. Any enemy of Gowron and the High Council yeah. is a friend of mine. Worf does his whole, oh, you were with Kirk on, or or on Organia, and the attack on, you attacked the Romulans at the Karamaw Pass, and blah, blah, blah. And then they get drunk. Uh, well, I mean, like, at this moment, like, they've all heard of each other. And I get that he would have heard of Kor. Kor's an old-time warrior. He's a Dehar master. <laughs> right. But, um, like, every, every Klingon that meets each other knows each other. And I'm like, are they from like a rural county or so? like, is there like a small <laughs> amount of like, like where everybody knows uh, which where where'd you go to high school? They all know what house they're from, and the houses aren't sprawling. Right? I think but, it's like I think it's like the the New York elite, like it's like the the kind of people that Trump can't get any respect from. Oh. <laughs> These same old families, the dirt. Right. I, think the it, dursts, I think that's what it's the like. The dursts and the whatever. Right. Yeah, um, right. Worf has been served. He's the only. Klingon that's ever served in Starfleet. He was on the ship. And then also he his family was intertwined with putting Gowron at the council. So he's noteworthy enough for people to know who Worf is. Yeah. And, you know, he's a Dahar master. Everybody knows. And I know it's like high palace intrigue, so you're always meeting the high the people in power, and people in power know each other, but it just seems like you never meet like a Klingon that's like, I don't know any of these people. Like, like <laughs> right. you know, like I just, I just signed up. Like I don't. I mean, I get it, and it, it makes sense. And I wouldn't want to like a bunch of like introductions right. and nobody knowing each other. And it's easier that everybody knows the history, true, and their connection within it. But it's a little weird. Well, I'll say this: when um, the guy from the House of Duras shows up, Core doesn't know who the fuck he is. Oh yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Ask your friend. Oh, that's true. Yeah. This is Torrell. From the House of Duras. Right. That's the first time that two, two unaffiliated, the two Klingons didn't know each other before they had a battle. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. true. But anyway, he's got like a burlap shroud of Kalis <clears throat> map of Turin <laughs> for, that, that has a batleth in it. And then he's like, oh, we're going to have the biggest adventure. We're going to have the biggest adventure ever. It's bigger than, it's more ancient than the torch of Gabach mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> and Sabak's armor. But they're kind of. I just want to point out <laughs> the torch of Gabach. I don't end the Herc. I don't know. I guess we could take a Star Trek Discovery <laughs> moment mm. and say that there's torches have some very big importance to do with the Klingons on Star Trek Discovery. That's oh, something we it's know. It's going deep into their religion, right? right? And there's one of the costumes is called the Klingon Torchbearer. Uh, we might know more by the time this airs. I can't remember how this will work out, but there's the whole, the whole thing what, that they... How do we know the whole thing? There's a whole thing about that torch ship. It would be interesting if they pulled this small little reference from DS9 about the Torch of Kabak. Well, and, I tell you what, they... they <laughs> They oversold how much of an adventure this was going to be <laughs> right. <laughs> right at the top. All right. I'm going to call a little bit bullshit on that. Yeah. Uh, but I guess they don't They don't say this This is going to be a lot of squabbling in a cave. Yeah. Because that doesn't make for good television. <laughs> Have you seen the treasure of the Sierra Madre? We can live that. <laughs> or the episode of The Simpsons yes. where they buy Radioactive Man number one. Because I thought it went like full uh, Lord of the Batleth. One Batleth to rule them all and one Batleth to bind them. You well, know? you know what? That's actually kind of what... That's kind of what they're going for, though, right? As far as the object itself is concerned. No, oh, right. Like, there's right. a lot of prophecy against uh, around this particular item, right, guys? There is. The, yeah, yeah. And I... Okay, we're going to go... I have more to talk. Maybe we can say... Well, yeah, because this is a bigger story, even with, like, 
people's critiques of the show and stuff that I received bears touchy over. Uh, okay. Really? Uh, about about the nature of the Batleth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because I had problems with that. Like, what? I yeah, was, yeah. Me, me too. But I guess we'll we'll wait till we get it's there. It's a common sentiment, and especially on this podcast, that sounds like. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's get there. We'll get when we get to the Batleth. We'll talk about the Batleth. But yeah, the Herc stole the Batleth fourteen over fourteen hundred years ago. There's also, if we're going discovery, there's the theory that people have that. Probably, I'm pretty sure, is wrong. They're like, oh, no, maybe it'll be ancient Klingons that are more related to the Herc, and that's why they look differently in Star Trek Discovery. Not because they just wanted to make them different and they picked other, but, well, who knows what that'll be. It's also maybe what where the Klingons got warp drive is maybe kind of fuzzed funny, fussy, because they were warlike people that got conquered by the Herc and stole all their artifacts, and apparently... The Herc stole the sword of Kalis and went to the Gamma Quadrant. The Herc, do we ever see the Herc in anything ever? No. Or is it just made for this No, episode? they are mentioned in one episode of Enterprise, and that's it. Really? Well, I, they're, they're, it's an interesting idea. I mean, anybody who can get one over on the Klingons and well, steal their stuff is an interesting... You could even go right. so far... Well, they, were, so- they were a lot more primitive, and they, it, the, the argument is that they might have even gotten warp drive from the Herc, but that's you nerd could, corner well, stuff. Well, if you want to go, if you want to take story, out of Leonard Corner stuff, they could even make comparisons to the Bajorans and Cardassians to the Herc and the Klingon, and that maybe, you know, because there's yeah. this whole sort of thing about like, did the psychosis, the trauma in Bajor, is it making them worse, like more warlike people? How, are they coping with it in a, in a healthy way or an unhealthy way? And that maybe like the Klingons could be like a, like a point to like conquering and oppressing a people and raping their culture. Yeah, you may give them warp drive, but like, you know, do you turn them into like, you know, kind of assholes? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like generational. But I don't, I don't think before the Herc showed up that the Klingons were like French yeah. artists <laughs> and, and fancy you don't, lads. You don't get you know? evolution. Evolution doesn't give you redundant organs be, and like mm-hmm. extra bones because you're pretty gentle. Yeah. I I just wonder like if that. But you know, you're saying it's a, it's an interesting theme. Yeah. yeah to, I don't know. To, like, to explore. Yeah. I, I, no, it is. It is. I mean, I think that the, the canonical literature on this is pretty thin. So like we can extrapolate whatever we want. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been an interesting thing to do if they had more, say, Kira in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Or more talk about what the Herc actually are. Or, if it was you know, more than just an excuse to like start the plot, then yeah. Because the Herc is the most interesting thing in this to me, but <laughs> really it is. a whole lot of time. That is, that is absolutely 100% Yeah, true. like th- this show drops a promise, I feel like. Okay, so they find it in like two minutes, right? They get a runabout. They they talk to Cisco. They interrupt Cisco in his like shaving routine. And uh, yeah, with yeah with, with his laser shaver, laser razor. With, looks like a small pencil sharpener. It's a rubber stamp, yeah, right? The like, reason that looks so the, dumb. Do for the only reason that looks so dumb is because it was Jordy's razor. Oh, the only reason. well, it was Jordy's razor in the. Oh, that time Jordy had a beard. That time he was shaving. I guess there was an episode where he was shaving. And he was using that. Yeah. And yeah. LeVar Burton said, Oh, I remember that. Go get that out of props. Ah. Okay. <laughs> so it's the exact. I mean, it's th- fun to have, like, it's like, oh, yeah, we've got be- bearded Cisco and shaven head Cisco. Yeah. yeah. Let's show him shaving at one point. Sure. Yeah. That's fun. And then, of course, and- him and Jordy would use the same Mach 5 razor or whatever. And that makes sense. So. <laughs> right. They interrupt that. They get that in like two minutes. They get the runabout in two minutes. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I'm, I mean, I'm enjoying Core a lot. And I'm, uh, I'm enjoying that Michael Dorn uh, seemed to approach playing 
Worf in this episode is like a young, like, child. Like, he's like Peter Parker. <laughs> like, I'm glad that Tony gave me this shot, you know. Like, he's like this sort of childlike yeah, about it. He actually does say, he does actually say it's an honor to, you know, tag along, basically. Yes, he says yeah, it yeah, twice. Yeah. And, he sa- and then he says something about, like, being worried about being a bummer on, like, maybe I shouldn't have come on this trip. Yes, I do like that. You, I like it whenever you see Michael Dorn show some form, not like emotional vulnerability, but just like something less than like a controlled alpha, you know, that mm-hmm. that's fun to me to watch. And then he goes overboard the other way later. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's a nice it's a nice it starts at an interesting sort of emotional like. Right, right. They take the Rio Grande because they can't take the Defiant? Well, because I guess they only it takes a full crew to run that ship. They only want to take yeah, two Yeah, the Defiant. Defiant's uh, not there to do this kind of dumb shit. So. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but if they bring back the Sword of Kalos, it might help with the Federation problem with the Klingons. And if two Starfleet officers return it, that helps patch relations. It's like, okay, yeah, but well, they're not st- that's I'll a good excuse it. to get I'll them out. Yeah, yeah. But they're yeah. not stealing the Kalos from like a Borg cube, though. So, I mean. But they're going into the Gamma Quadrant, which. That is true. That part's true. That makes us like. That makes me like. Is there a part of the Gamma Quadrant that they feel is safe territory? No, nope. right. I don't so think there should. They shouldn't. Why? Why are they? Yeah, fucking around in no man's land. Like I don't. Well, space is big. I mean, yeah, they yeah, can't yeah. be everywhere all the time, right? The Dominion that is. Yeah, like, they spent two seasons just going in and out without seeing them. They're probably fine. <laughs> That's and probably the true. Klingons are willing to take a risk. And then why aren't they? Why doesn't it have a militarized border? Why isn't there just like a thousand Jemadar ships just at that the the, the wormhole mouth? And why don't they have a large well, Federation yeah, that, fleet at the wormhole mouth? Well, you they know. have Deep Space Nine. That's not, that. That's it. It's <laughs> <laughs> not military. Yeah, 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 basically, James is bringing up a lot of good questions that I haven't well, thought about before. It's not their but, space. It's know, Bajoran space, and Bajorans don't want a full fleet they've got their station yeah they've had that's right they because there's there's a political reason for that because they've had an occupying force before mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and it makes they them uneasy politically yeah yeah and you could say that the i mean the, the the founders don't care like they have enough i mean they they theoretically have enough people and enough the idea that they everything's infected with founders but that would be one thing you know that they're just you could say the founders aren't sweating this shit right right so right so they don't have feel the need to militarize a border but still it seems like under most military procedures you would militarize a border you might be right space is pretty big it's hard to do that you know yeah but that porthole but that wormhole mouth is a you know they're coming through that. Yeah, you know exactly. They're not, yeah, they're yeah. not going to take an end around. Right. Well, that's why at the beginning of the season, they've got like a thousand that's uh, to, for, to, photon torpedoes at the station. It's all it's all gunned up now. They've got yeah. also the Defiant dock there just in case shit pops off. Mm-hmm. So, you know. No, I got I, I got I mean, you can hand wave around it. I just, I'd like to see them hit, wave the hand. Right, right, but, right. They steal the Rio Grande. They literally like just just go right to it. Well, he got the he got the shroud of Kaleths from a Vulcan survey team. The survey team knows exactly where the ruins were, mm-hmm. and then also there's a force field that they can scan the planet and say, "Oh yeah." And then Core's like, "Oh yeah, there's a force field." And Dax is like, "You could have said so." I was like, "Oh, you, I knew you'd fix it." And 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 she does pretty simply. He has a dream about Kang and Kolal statues coming to life and destiny, destiny, blah blah blah. What happens in this scene is that they murder your potential interest in having like an adventure where they go and find an artifact and have to bring it back yes. right? like they, they they murder that story that's that that's not the story you're watching and we had yeah. all sorts of build up 
and all sorts of goodwill built up about it, about the story that we're about to see in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They almost they do the falsely foreshadowed with, with the big story at the beginning with core telling the big story yeah. and <laughs> sure. O'Brien saying, Oh, but he tells it so well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. That's kind of a theme of this episode. Like it's a great story. That's not as exciting as, mm. as the story that we will tell later. Yeah. They do some, you know, uh, force field, they techno babble, reverse the polarity, increase the amplitude. Then they find <laughs> that, yeah. that ship basically writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it really does, <laughs> don't it? Then they find another force field with different harmonics they can't get through. But then we have hurt DNA on this shroud of Turin. It's like, oh, well, I can, I hear some, project some hurt DNA at it and we can walk right through because the original tomb was ransacked. And then Kor is like, well, I give up. And Dax and Worf are like, well, we can, we can find the who, the D, who did this and find the thing. Sword is like, and Kor is like, well, I'm going to be dead by then. You kids have fun getting all your glory. <laughs> that was a crazy scene. That's a crazy take for him to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll be dead. <laughs> right. I'm an old man. But then they do. They get it. And then they find the sword. And... Say what you will about those Discovery Klingons. Everybody talks about the design being different, but I'd almost say that the sort of Kalos being a, and this also gives credence to them being ancient Klingons, but who knows? The design of the sort of Kalos fits better with those Discovery Klingon battles better than they do current Cause they have 24th like, cause century. Because like scroll work on it and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I get that you have to make it. You, you can't just be the cheap props you've been using through the whole show. It's got to look something different. But sure, I'm not gonna argue. But, but sure, but well, I mean, Discovery has a whole lot of room to squander any <laughs> any things that I'm talking about in this podcast. Being. Yeah, yeah. And this is the sword that Kalis killed Molor and conquered the Fakiri. And that all sounds like stories I'd like to hear. But nope, we got Toral from the House of Duras shows up. Talks about a tavern on Torna 4. And he sent the Lethian to put the whammy yeah, on Kor. Yeah, but essentially Kor told them this too when he was drunk. And so right. they've been... He said that... Loose lips sink yeah, ships. Yeah, Kor, right. Kor is an untrustworthy motherfucker, as it turns out. Well, even at the beginning, Dax is like, Kor, why'd you tell Worf so fast? He's like, ah, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit of foreshadowing too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then they fight. They kill. They fight off the House of Duras, and I noticed there was no two-handed punches in that whole fight. Good on them. Oh, uh, there were, wow. But, yeah, that's a good call, yeah, Wade. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice catch. Jadzia even has like a one-handed kind of. Like, yeah, she does. Uh, yeah, Lebar Burton comments multiple times about how. He liked Terry Farrell's ac- action workout, so uh, he called her a- he called her action Barbie, and she really liked that. Uh, sure, yes, that's, okay, that's, that's weird. Okay, and Kor thinks Worf is a wuss for not killing Toral back in TNG. Yeah, you've been around humans too long. And then that's kind of starts the now that they've got the sword and they've started to get fight bickering with each other, and he's like. Oh, no true Klingon would ever lose a chance to get vengeance. And, you know, he was just a boy, mm. blah, 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 blah. You should have been more discreet. And you should have been more of a Klingon. Yeah, so this so, is the start yeah. of what you're, the the show you're really watching is, like I, like we said earlier, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, where they find, a, you know, they find wealth and glory, and they have to, like, sort of hunger down and, and sort of watch over it in a shared capacity, and it starts eating a 
them, mm-hmm. not Terry Farrell, because that that could have been interesting. Just just the two Klingons, and um, I took it like they they're 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 dwarves and elves, and they can never hold the one yeah. ring. But she's just a lowly halfling. But okay, <laughs> she's the okay, only so, one that can so take it. Go, to so here we go. So here we go. It, the show seems to be, it's so extreme and so sort of numb-fistedly started and, and, and advanced that it seems to be that there is a magical component to the sort of K-less yes. That's, yes, totally, that's yeah. manipulating. There is not, spoilers, and there is not, and it pissed fans off, and it's irritating to me because... It is irritating. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, because... Yeah, it is a little bit. They act so out of character. Is there, is there a cut scene? That, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, they switch I like mean, that. like, you want... You're like the Herc. You think that it belongs in a museum. And then it's like, <laughs> well, because he's, he's killing voles with it. But you want your heroes to be above... I mean, obviously, we're all frail, we're all human, we all commit sins, we all... And heroes should, too. And heroes should do bad things, because people do bad things, and it's like a thing. But this shows, like, a a, a shallowness of character, that it's such a reversal, that to say that this was just the lust after... I mean, like, I, is Worf someone that's dominated by a lust for power? No, no, it's it's yeah, this whole thing, I felt like, well, it felt rushed, obviously, mm-hmm. because they find the thing in 10 minutes. And it felt like uh, we've said on the podcast before, oh, this should have been a two parter. And it should have been there. I, I was like, I was certain there must have been a cut scene where they explain that it has some kind of quality in it that drives Klingons crazy. And that's why they have to get rid of it at the end. Spoilers. Yeah, the hurt. Yeah. You know, but I don't, because no, it, it just turns turned out on that, a dime. And it turns out that the, that, that no, they're just genetically dis, uh, like predisposed to be assholes. Klingons are dicks. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and it, and it somehow, but even they get all mystical about it. Worf is like, "Oh, I knew when I was a child, and I didn't get along with the Klingons, and then I went to a cave, and I had a vision of Kalis, who told me I was going to do something that no Klingon would ever do, and I thought it was join Starfleet, but it turns out it was no, it was this, because." Toral from the House of Duras has already said, I'm not giving it to the Emperor. The Emperor's weak. I'm going to take this and leave the Empire. And that gives Kola, that gives Kor the idea. And Worf is like, well, he's famous enough that he, it might, it's so crazy, it might just might work. Because people love him, even if he's full of shit, as I've now learned. Mm-hmm. But I, because I had a vision as a kid, I'm I'm Joan of Arc. I'm going to be the guy that takes the sort of Kalos and leads the Klingons and stuff. And it gets super mystical. It's like, is that just part of Klingons or yeah? Did but it we put have the to, whammy on them like the Lethian did? But we have we have to live with the idea that Worf, under no influence, came up with that bullshit. That, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's, that's was that's what's that's, upsetting about that's this the episode. Worf in the next episode. Like that's the Worf. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, he's yeah. the kind of guy who came up with that bullshit. And I get that they're trying. <laughs> See, it, I, in I, my I, head, in my head canon, it just was such a weird jump. I just like no, I'm just gonna pretend there's a. There's this deleted scene where they scan the thing when they get it back on the runabout and decide that there's something that's doing something crazy to Klingons. Yeah. It is it's weird. Got like it's, a Klingon virus on it or something. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Got Klingon rabies or something. Like Klingon <laughs> rabies. Uh, and like, yeah, it, that's, and that's where, like, at some point you're just like, okay, this is one of those episodes where everybody's mind controlled. Right. Mm-hmm. And acting out of character. And that's a, that's a trope in Star Trek, so why not? And right. I guess that's turned into my standard to, like thing about what I would change about episodes of Deep Space Nine. Just like, 
they're acting like crazy assholes for no reason. Just throw some mind control in well, there. Yeah, just it, sprinkle some mind control on it. At least that's a reason. And most of the time they do it. At least it's a reason other than it's just... And so I get that people... I get that... The, okay, so the real treasure of the Sierra Madre is, A, they're not character. It's... I don't know. It's uh, Humphrey Bogart and other people. Sydney Greenstreet. Yeah. I don't know. Peter Lorre. Peter Lorre. The same cast. <laughs> it's the same cast <laughs> as... <laughs> the, the, the Maltese, Maltese Falcon. Falcon. Okay, so they they've got a you know they got a big thing of gold, like a big case of gold, and they start like you know whatever. You start dreaming about like being rich, and he's gonna try and fuck us over and steal my share and all that shit. But that's self preservative. That it's not like the idea that yeah. I found yeah, this yeah. sword. That isn't... S- oh, our friend Tim Holt was in Treasure of the Sierra. Oh, yeah, Marjorie. Tim Holt. Uh, Tim Holt's the basis for the Humphrey- uh, Han Solo character in um, Hail Caesar. Oh. Like a, a hailbilly character that they start trying to put in Noel Coward movies for some reason and, and to uh, fail, yeah, 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 to, yeah. To, to super failure. Yeah, Bruce Bennett and Barton McLean and Humphrey Bogart and Walter Houston. Oh, okay. So, but they're all like lusting after this gold because they're, it, it starts off as protecting... And then you don't trust people because you're protective of your share and you're afraid that they're going to steal that. There's, it's a much more complicated de-evolving of... Like, you know what? If it tapped into their, their each of their, their own unique vision of, for what the empire should be, mm-hmm. like if it was more right. political in nature, it would have worked better. I, I feel like they, were tr- they, they got into that a little bit. But, but it was like, no, I want to yeah. be the awesome god. And you're like, no, I want to be the awesome god. Right. right. Ugh, I don't know. And it goes on for a yeah, fucking yeah. long and time. It does. <laughs> right, right. That was right. the thing is it felt like it took forever to like to get through that part of the show. Where, right, yeah. Where they're doing something yeah. besides just squabbling. Right. And then, I mean, Jadzia slept with a phaser weird, too. Did you yeah, notice that? Yeah. She, <laughs> yeah, and like, I don't really, I get that she was just trying to be the mo- like the moderator, but like, if you're going to do it, make it interesting and kick her into it, too, somehow. I don't know. That just fits into my headcanon of it's a Klingon mind virus. But it's uh, not but, that. So we have to leave. We, we're, it's nothing. Well, but, but, but what is she going to She's not going to rule the Klingon Empire. She's a trill. I, I, don't, I don't know. But, uh, but I, I mean. Yeah. But she could represent the Federation interests. Yeah. Maybe the Federation could oh, yeah, yeah. hold on to it until they get their I have to save this to give to the Emperor and change the war or whatever. Like. The emperor is a puppet. The emperor is not a puppet. Mm-hmm. Not a puppet. Not a puppet. Not a puppet. Uh, he said, <laughs> "He's a pretender, a clone from a vat, but that grown by some ambitious clerics." But it's more interesting than just she's the hey, come on, guys. Like, like that's what she is. This whole episode, <laughs> right. and it, it's a waste. I don't know, but I, I like yeah. I like this character. I like Worf. <laughs> I like I yeah. like click on stuff. She finally and, shoots some phasers and it stuns them at the end of it, and you're like. About fucking time where they start they they go full like uh you know Gollum in the Lord of the Rings it's mine my precious and they jump and they're fall, rolling around it's mine and before one bites the finger off the other one she just stuns both of them and then just grabs <laughs> Duras Klingon and says stop jamming our comms so that we can get to the ship is why they're stuck on the planet in the caves that we see every cave episode. You know, it seems like a cruel trick to have a Duras character and not be one of the sisters. <laughs> right? They're clearly they're yeah, so yeah. great. They're clearly the much better function of the Duras storyline. They even have that dumb, that little dummy kid that they like commissioned into like being a 
like who was that? They found like one guy that would be the heir of the House of Doros, and that they that was this guy. This was that's this, this guy. This, yeah. was yeah. this he was kid, a kid, uh, but he grew up. Oh, that He's was the kid, not the original. Bro, I thought that was the original one, not the. Oh, okay. No, that's that's why when you know Kor is like, why didn't you kill him? He's like, and Worf is like. He's just a child. He didn't yeah. have anything to do with their plans. It's like that doesn't matter. Your, you know, <laughs> your honor demanded it. And it's like oh, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I like his core. And my core is very un. Well, the best part about <laughs> Core's uh, acting choices were that he could go from gruff to very like cordial, like on mm-hmm. a dime. Yeah, yeah. And those those worked wonderfully. Yeah, those little moments. Yeah, this is, I mean, that's how much the acting was, or the writing was so weird, is that you had these actors that were doing fine, you know, that were, like, especially, like, Core, who was bringing a lot of life to this stuff. Oh, he yeah. I mean, it's selling 100%. This, this, actually, this episode works so much better than the script because yes. of the, the strength of yeah, the yeah. performances. So, yeah, I think it is a really a failure of the writing. They're trying yeah. to cram so much so, in, and then just like, all right, this is where they get mad, and suddenly they're mad at each other. So like, here's Eshavaria. Yeah. Here's Eshavaria talking about it. Who I guess he must have been a quiet writer on it or a silent writer on it because he he's defending it pretty heartily. So Eshavari is going, a lot of fan reaction was that there must be a tech explanation. Yeah, that the sword must be emitting something. I was astonished. Uh, the sword itself doesn't have any magic. It's the concept of the sword that has the power. We wanted to explore the... Then don't get rid of it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, right. We wanted to explore the notion that there was some dark streets to be revealed within these characters. But that's not like... You did it dumbly. <laughs> yes, you did. You wrote it like it was a mind... Yeah. And the minute anyone starts talking about the sword, it starts infecting them. But my point is, is that that's a weak character that 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 infects right if you wanted to have like a quark like character devolve into a treasure of the sea i mean quark is the guy that you do for the treasure because he's he's easily manipulated and he's weak you know because he's 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 got such a love of money Worf isn't i mean Worf may seek like klingon acceptance and glory but not at the not at the expense of all of the shit. You know, he's routinely right, right. made sacrifices for the greater good of Kronos or, or the Empire. The Empire. And, yeah, and, yeah. and there's that's who he is, is that he's he's a moral person. Mm-hmm. So to have him so easily manipulated, not like cleverly over a period of time, sort of have him, but like super, like, it's, it's yeah, a it's weakness like, of the character. It's like in, the, in his heart of hearts... He wants to be the emperor. Yeah, that really. I don't think he's ever wanted to be, you know, the leader of the Klingon Empire. Yeah, that doesn't fit into my concept of of who Worf is. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 This this one was this one was kind of a kind of tedious. I mean, but like like I said, I think the strength of the performances. Oh sure. It's a right. it's kind of a yeah, fun yeah. episode, even if it, it's fun. Like when at the when, at the expense when Core is throwing shade, it he's got that moment where he's like. Oh, oh, do you hear that? Do you hear that? It's the spirit of Kalis telling you to <laughs> bind your time and split their, slit their throats because he overheard him saying uh-huh. his little story about having a vision. Yeah, that was, that was fun. That was good stuff. Yeah, the character of Kor is fabulous. Like, And I don't have a, like, I guess... I don't, you haven't spent a lot of time with Core, and then the, like, he's in two episodes in Star Trek ever. <laughs> and the first episode, he's like a stand in for Nazis. So, like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, 
you know, good core has only been in one episode. Right, right. So I could buy that he's this manipulated by this quest for power. Also, older men, adventurers, you know, want to get like, you know, want to cash in quick. Mm-hmm. They, they like they make these quixotic runs for presidency that they know they're going to fail. But um, <laughs> but there's these emails you see. No, so um, and and they end up like being emperor. Of, but it. I, I I would buy that with core, but just like to have Worf basically play match that note for note was yeah it was right it was a fatal error. You know she stuns them, she gets the communications unjammed, then they cut to they're back on the Rio Grande, and we haven't explained at all them like coming to terms and ter- having a turnaround where they decide. Oh, we were assholes, weren't we? Mm-hmm. You're right, we were assholes. But they cut straight to them. Well, let's just beam it into space now. It's like, yeah, that what? Was, what? The world is not ready for is this. It? No, you dumb assholes right, weren't yeah. ready it, for it. It is, it is the only way. It's like, no, or you could do what you meant to do and, t- and just give it to the emperor. Yeah, they or, were both on board with that plan. Like, that was a plan <laughs> eventually. Right, but they're like, imagine how it would divide the empire. If you gave it to the guy that we said deserves it anyway, who, you know, the clone of Kalos or whatever, it was our destiny to find it, but it was not our destiny to keep it. Or since you're ripping off shit, why don't you just have them put it into a box and it's like stored into some federation, like some storage (laughs) room, just like the Ark of the Covenant. It's it's going next to the Ark of the Covenant. You're not not too good to rip off like this shit for this plot. Oh, they do that all the time, I though, know. don't they? Yeah, but go ahead and do that. Don't just shoot it out into fucking enemy space. It just seemed dumb. They did such a good job of, like, expressing the importance of the object. Right. To only have it be shot into space at the end was a really, was a real bummer. Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. And all that history that they also didn't talk about. Uh, well, they did kind of, they name referenced you know name check the herc and yeah molor and the takiri and kalis which is like i want to hear i want to know that shit but like oh let's just bye. yeah let's just yeah ma hivda hivda and then i guess they yeah whatever <laughs> it's mine and then they fight it's mine. so i i mean i but i yeah but I gotta say, like, I mean, we we are we can move this a lot to like the. <laughs> yeah, so how do we well, feel about well, I this mean, episode? If you're guys? gonna ask that, you asked us this rewatchability question. I'd probably watch this again. Yeah, because core, yes. core is fun. Oh yeah, That's, this is the first one that I would rewatch. This is high on my rewatchability for the core stuff. Yeah, it's fun to watch them interact. It's a early, It's the first time that uh, I mean, I guess we haven't talked about this. Jetsy and yeah, Worf that and Worf have of- an extended like moment together. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this is a key episode. They put together some DVD compilation well, of important Klingon episodes, and this is on it. Yeah. Like, so it, it's, it's... Oh, yeah, it's this would have to be on so. it. Yeah, I would, like, on a 1 to 10 on rewatchability, I would say this is probably a 7 or yeah, 8. Yeah, I would, too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a fatal flaw of an episode that makes it just just uh, uh, irritating. But you're right. You add this little, like, correction script, you hack it, and you say, that oh, it's tainted. With some some mm-hmm. Klingon brain cancer, <laughs> right? And then like they have to get rid of it for that, and like so yeah, I'm fine with that. That's fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Sure, uh, but that's not what the plot of the story was. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Would you guys want to know about what everybody thinks about 
this episode on IMDb? Do you want to venture a guess to see? Hmm. So, yeah, this is a tricky one. It is. Because it's Klingon, and like we just said, it it's in the, you know, compilation, a VHS compilation of Klingon episodes, <laughs> or some, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm going to say a 7.7. I'm gonna go seven because they're they're wow. they're pretty defensive about it on on the on the memory alpha. Yeah. Um, yeah, six hundred and eighty-two people voted, which is pretty high. But I think it's gonna get higher. Just in general, people are going into these seasons. People are showing yeah, up for season four. Yeah, right. Uh, it's a seven point oh exactly. Yeah, yeah. James oh, is right. right. Ding ding ding. Told you, John's gonna fuck Daenerys. We have on a roll here. <laughs> uh, he will have fucked or <laughs> oh, yeah, before this not airs. have fucked Daenerys by the time this comes out. That's true. So this stands as a testament to my idiocy or my or my. Or <laughs> right, my, we'll my, figure out whether uh, we can that storytelling in a few weeks. <laughs> yes, I guess that. I mean, I I mean, I agree with that. I I would call it a seven on the merits. Yeah. But like I said, yeah, yeah, like I, I would... said, it's got it's got fun shit in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. So, do we have any voicemails <laughs> so, tonight? So that yeah yeah that was a nice. 40 minutes of us complaining about this episode, so, but, but we really <laughs> well, yeah. liked it. Well, or yeah, we, we contain well, multitudes. Well, I, I think <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're grading this on a curve. Uh, I guess next episode is the highly controversial uh episode <laughs> for about us grading on a curve, uh, called Our Man Bashir. And uh, yeah, and, and where this is either the nadar of Bashir or the or the turnaround. So, um, yeah, if you ask Alexander Siddiq, this is where you finally make him likable. And if you ask Alexander Siddiq, yeah. when they so, killed well, him off three episodes early on Game of Thrones, he thought it was an affront to his personal fans who were very excited to see him on the show. Oh, did, did he say that? Okay. Yes, he did. <laughs> of course, he did. <laughs> uh, okay. Man, I can only imagine what he would think of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan. Oh God, not not a big one. <laughs> yeah, worst podcast <laughs> ever. Ever. <laughs> All right. Okay. So onto the onto the voicemails. Oh yeah, let's do that. What was that? I heard nothing. A voice. I hear it again. It, it's the spirit of Kalis. He's talking to you, Worf. He's telling you to bide your time, let them sleep, and then slit their throats and claim your destiny. <laughs> I have had enough of your drunken ramblings, old man. And I have had enough of both of you. And I've had enough temporal mechanics and time travel, but we're going to have some of that anyway. So, all right, jumping into voicemails. All right, here we have... A voicemail from Stefan. Here we go. Hello, guys. This is Stefan from the Netherlands. Uh, after listening to your uh, podcast about the visitor um, a few days ago, I decided to give the episode another watch and uh, noticed for the first time there seemed to be a connection between this episode and the emissary, the the pilot episode. Both uh, are about a man who is unable to get past the death of a loved one. And um, there's, uh, I especially notice this in the scene where Jake is pulled back uh, into the subspace bubble or whatever it was and spent some time in there with uh, Captain Sisko. Uh, composer Dennis McCarthy actually repeats a theme 
that uh, that he uh, used in the emissary when uh, the wormhole aliens uh, actually make Benjamin see that uh, him not getting past his wife that is n is not linear, and uh, in that in the scene in the, the visitor, um, Ben Cisco is actually telling Jake the same thing, and I, I'm a big film score coll collector and. Star Trek music for TV is usually pretty boring, so I found that quite interesting. And of course, it uh, I love the episode. It's not one hundred percent perfect. Uh, you mentioned some of the flaws, but it's 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 brilliant anyway. I love it. Okay, talk to you later, guys. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that is an interesting kind of comparison to the visitor and. The emissary, which I hadn't really thought about before. Yeah, and I think that, and I think that was probably conscious. I mean, they even go to the white room. You know, they, he gets right. sucked, he gets sucked off to the white place. So, <laughs> sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, but they never, yeah. And then they're like, "Where are we?" And then I think we said on the podcast, "You're in the wormhole, you dummy." Yeah, like but, yeah, <laughs> you know where this is. Yeah, but it's funny. And then uh, yeah, and Stephen mentioned that the recording, the score actually had a theme that they used in the emissary, which is, I didn't notice, but that is actually interesting. That's a nice pickup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I did. Yeah. They didn't notice. Especially that. like you mentioned before, the sound is usually so boring. Uh, apparently we can thank Rick Berman for the sonic wallpaper of Star Trek, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Cause yeah, if you listen to early TNG, it's got awesome, like sound and uh, scores. And then they're once Berman took over, they got boring. Uh, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. I mean, if I had to describe Rick Berman as a creator, boring, boring wouldn't be too far from, I mean, outside of some of the theories we have about like Terry Farrell and him and stuff like that, like right. boring, boring is a thing. Or so. safe. Is that what it is? They're yeah. just safe choices. Yeah, I think there's nothing bold about it, I guess. I mean, and I think that that's, I mean, isn't that sort of where, I mean, that's like the difference between Discovery and Orville as we're getting near that is that this clean lit flat sort of soundtrackless thing where stories can like have a, like a, like an undistracting stage. That's part of Star Trek's charm, right? Right. So I get that. Like, you well, don't, I mean, I, he, you don't want to veer too much from that. But it seems like, you know, maybe you do, too. It gets boring. There's like thousands of these right, episodes. Right, right. You have to move things. It's still, it's not 1960s. Yeah. You know. I mean, I will give Berman credit for being such a caretaker of Roddenberry's vision. I think a lot of times he was a caretaker of the wrong parts of it. Um, yeah. Especially, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, but even the sonic wallpaper, which is a, term that he kind of set forward that wasn't a Roddenberry thing because when the early seasons but maybe it was by the end I don't know yeah he made kind of safe boring choices at some points that I think Deep Space Nine is part of what we talk about in the podcast a lot is that when he wasn't kind of watching over it as much they got to make bolder choices yeah and they did yeah. and, and to the benefit of the show and us and and everybody and Star Trek even and we'll see how that freedom to make how that goes from there. Yeah, bold choices outside of the Roddenberry box help or hinder discovery will be a thing that we pay close attention to. I'd say. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is, I think that then you see discovery and you're like, well, that's kind of not what I want. Right. But it seems like if you were describing like not liking the boring wallpaper element and the safe choices of Mark Steve Berman, someone could try and give you what you want by giving you start what Star Trek Discovery looks like, which 
my immediate response is that's not really what I want. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But I get that what you got that from what I was critiquing about the other thing. So I don't know. It's a, we're going to have to see it all play out. I think we're in a wait. I'm in a, definitely in a wait and yeah. see mode with, the, yeah, with, oh, yeah, yeah. with discovery. Right. Definitely. And your call, your voicemail wasn't about that at all. Stay nope. but it set us down a path and you know what? Maybe. Yeah. Well, you've heard us talk some about discovery. Mm-hmm. You'll probably hear us talk more. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. All right. But yeah, thanks. Good to hear your voice again, Stephen, as always. All right. And here we go. We have, Tim from Northern California. Are we getting a call from Tim from Cal- Northern California? I don't know if we have or not. So first time caller. It might be a first time caller. Let's see if we recognize his voice. Yeah, good to have you. Well, we'll see if it is. Maybe it's horrible to have you. We'll, we'll make that judgment after we play your call. Yeah, we're on a wait and see. We're on a wait and You're see. <laughs> <laughs> right. We don't know yet. <laughs> right. Impressment. No. All right, here we go. Hey, guys. Tim from Northern California. I'm calling after your podcast, like The Visitor, which is uh, only the second time I've seen it. Uh, I watched it first when it first aired, and I don't know, I was probably like 13, and then it was like a boring episode, something happened. So then I rewatched it again as an adult, and it's, it's better. Um, I don't think I'm quite as in love with it as everybody else. There's a couple things I didn't like. Uh, it felt kind of gimmicky. The peek into the future that's not ever really going to be a future because, you know, it's just the peak. And then what's not going to happen? It's still kind of like a, a trope to me, but it shows the potential and where the writing can go, and that's awesome. Um, another point I got to say is you guys have been talking bad about Techno Babble again, and that's not cool. You got to respect the Techno Babble. Without it, it, Star Trek would just be like magic, and if you're into magic, you should just have the Game of Thrones podcast. So embrace the Techno Babble. It's a part of the whole fabric of the universe. It's great. And if Jake really cared about getting his dad back, then he could use some serious techno babble to get him back. He could have just uh, saturated some ablative armor with a tetrion particle and then just beamed back into the past. Or he could have flown around the sun like high warp speed like Kirk did to save the whale. But he didn't do any of those things. Got a half ass attempt. Just saying. Uh, you guys make a great show. Keep it up. I love listening to it every week. Thanks a lot. That is actually a good point. They go back to the past all the fucking time. Why can't, if someone's that desperate, wouldn't they initiate? People would be doing that kind of shit all the time. There would be some sort of protocol, like rescue protocol. It's almost like there would be like temporal police directive. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, temporal police or but, but sure yeah. you could do it in like some back alley time travel. You know, some black they have to go to, they have to, go to Quark to <laughs> that, that's a th- listen, we need some ablative armor and Tetrion. That isn't yeah. we are we are pitching an entire sci-fi series here. In the future time travel is understood but outlawed, and so only the outlaws can time travel. You know, like that <laughs> oh, guy, you, oh you mean oh, that you mean Looper. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess, yeah, yeah, like oh that by that Star Wars guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're right. That is a thing that you're kinda like you could just go back in time. But I think he makes it also a good point. Yeah, we need techno babble. It's just magic. Well, hey, but you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe we should just switch over and 
I think I'm going to call it right now. We're just going to do a Game of Thrones podcast now, guys. Okay. Because <laughs> that's what the world needs. Uh, give us your theories about uh, John and and no. Okay, don't do that. They're totally gonna. They're totally gonna fuck now. <laughs> but yeah, right. like how they. Yeah, yeah. But how they. But that's the point. Of, yeah, I. That's one of the reasons I don't like time travel. Is it, it is just magic. yeah. It's one of the things I don't like about time travel is that once it's it's a Pandora's box and you would like the logic of it is like people would be doing it all the time. Right. Right. So. Also, they tend to do stuff like go back to the 60s and do silly 60s stuff. Or every or every shitty episode of the original series. Right. And some of the best. Except for City <laughs> on the Edge of Forever, but that's the exception to that. The first one, yeah, right. Yeah. So, what sounds like you're saying you don't like Little Green Men. I, but, I, well, we I, haven't, I, I we haven't gotten there yet, but... Uh, actually, I'm not going to say what you think about that. Time travel, no. people, it's complicated. I can't, I can't remember where we are. <laughs> I can't. I don't know in this either, but yes. Find out. Listen and find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My full-throated views. Oh, yeah, but... Okay. All right, Tim. I like you. Yeah, you can call back. <laughs> it's, that's a good email. Yeah, no, no. You're, you're, you're good. You're a good point there. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and on the fact that Tim watched it in the original airing so he's at least yeah well when he was 13 so he's around our age yeah i guess that's true so, i don't remember watching it when it aired but no. maybe i did maybe i didn't i don't know i can't keep track of all the times i've watched anything but that's neither here nor there i can cut that back <laughs> i was probably listening to a lot of sonic youth at the time yeah yeah you probably were <laughs> all right all right. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Everybody go check out a Discovery Home Companion. Go check out all the other stuff. Uh, Crimes Against Humanities and uh, Forever James is on YouTube. And yeah, you know the drill. Uh, anyways, and give us a call at 917-408-3898. Email us at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. You, right. know, you know the drill. Sounds good. You want to say goodbye, James? Goodbye, everybody. You mean, <laughs> like, you mean so much to me. Are, James, right. are, are you dying? <laughs> you, you never. You always say goodbye like it's the last time you'll ever get a chance to. Okay. Uh, it's gonna be well, real sad we, if I made a joke and you're dead next week. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, would be that. That would be pretty fucking ghoul. Pretty fucking ghoulish. I'd go viral though, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, three to be out. <laughs> Boop. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.